Welcome to the Priority Pod. Thanks for tuning in. Here is where we let the important things be important. And we keep our priorities straight. True. This is a lifestyle podcast where we'll talk about the lows and the grows of life as a young, newlywed couple just out here trying to serve God, love each other and our people, survive in America, and ultimately get to this bread. Get to this bread. What's up, my people? I'm one of your co-hosts, Rep 4, a.k.a. Big Smooth, a.k.a. Mr. Pryor with the Fire. Back at it again with the one and only. Jada, also known, known as... Jada. And don't don't mess it up and don't get it twisted. I just don't like it when people call me by nicknames if we're not cool like that, cuz. No, I get it. I get you don't it. Even, you don't even know me like that, cuz. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel <laughs> that. Today we're going to dive into a topic that we've been really, really excited about. We're going to talk about the 10 myths about Black Wall Street. More particularly, like the 10 myths or narratives that they get thrown around in our country and our culture about how we can close the racial wealth gap in America, particularly what is the role that black people are supposed to play in, a, in, our, in the closing of our own gap. Right. And so before we even get into it, we want to be clear on what we mean by the wealth gap. And if you're confused on the difference between wealth and income, or we don't want you to get confused on the difference between wealth and income, right. um, we'll lay that out. Right. That, yeah. That's, that's really, really important. Um, the distinction between income and wealth Obviously, they're very, very closely related, but income is however much money somebody were to make. And most often, people make a lot of their money through labor, right? right? Um, but wealth is is the net worth and the value of all of the assets that you own, right? So if I own a million-dollar mansion, that doesn't mean I made a million dollars, right? right? your net worth. But my net worth is a million dollars, and I could use that asset to generate income or generate or to buy other assets, um, that further increase my net worth. And so, fun fact, normally when you hear people talk about millionaires, the actual definition of being a millionaire does not mean that your W-2 says you made a million dollars. It actually means that the net value of your assets, whatever you own minus whatever you owe on all of those assets, is over a million dollars. So if you have a house, a retirement account, a savings account, and maybe a business that adds up to a value of a million dollars, congrats, you're a millionaire. But most people don't really, most of us kind of only think about money and in, the, in the context of how much is coming in. And, and so this is, this is a different, slightly different conversation than talking about black income, uh, income inequality in this country. That is also very stark. But what is even worse than income inequality is wealth inequality. And obviously there's, there's a strong correlation and a relationship there. But I think that distinction is important. Absolutely. So the actual numbers on that wealth inequality uh, just so we have a basis to move forward from. Um, so it's that black ho- households hold less than seven cents on the dollar compared to white, white households. Or, you know, the white household living near the poverty line typically has about $18,000 in wealth, whereas black households in similar um, conditions have a median wealth near zero. So those are some pretty big gaps that you can just keep in mind. Um moving forward but that last step particular in particular really means if you think about it that black families have a negative net worth right right and and this is all data and statistics you can find in the, in the report we're going to talk about in a little bit you can easy google search will find a lot of depressing statistics about the the wealth inequalities but i want to give a big shout out to one of my professors from duke 
um, Sandy Darity, Dr. Darity, who um, taught me a lot while I was taking classes with him. But it's kind of been one of the pioneers of what reparations could look like in the 21st century. Um, and so he's done a lot of work on black income inequality, black wealth inequality as an economist, and has made a lot of proposals about what reparations could look like. And it's his report that a lot of the um, a lot of the myths that we're going to talk about today came from. And so he's done a lot of research with colleagues on, um, you know, the, the gravity of the gap between white wealth and black wealth, but ultimately what actually are some viable solutions. And reading his report is kind of a sad read because he kind of rules out the top 10 things that most people think when they when they're like, oh, yeah, this is what we need to do in order to, to catch up with white folks. So this is what we need to do in order to to increase wealth in our community. But it's important because we're spinning our wheels by believing those things. Exactly, exactly. And and he'll make a distinction, as we will, that whatever we need to do to survive and improve is not necessarily the same as what's going to ultimately solve the problem. So as you hear this, Miss, keep that in mind. Okay, so the first one that the report talks about and that we're going to talk about is that greater educational attainment or you know more work effort on the part of Black people will close the racial wealth gap. Yeah. There is literally no way that labor alone is going to close the racial wealth gap. Yeah. I think that's hard to hear, especially the education part. Education, you know, I'm talking all the way back to Frederick Douglass, has been the key to a lot of us as individuals getting more political, social, financial freedom. And I don't know a single black parent who was like, nah, you don't need to work hard in school because it's not going right. to close the racial wealth gap anyway. So don't worry about it. But a statistic that, that Dr. Darity shared with me in his class, and this is going to, this is crazy, related to this. The average wealth of black college graduates is lower than the average wealth of white folks who did not go to college. Yeah. And to take that even a step further, the report says that a black household with a college-educated like head of household mm -hmm. has less wealth than a white family whose head of household did not even obtain a high school diploma. They dropped out of high school, and they, they, they have more than we do. Right? And keep in mind that this is not – you're going gonna to need to understand the nuance between income and wealth and how wealth may look to us a certain way, cars, house, whatever, job, degrees, but – Clearly, white folks who are uneducated are doing better than us in the aggregate. Right. And, so, and to give a real life example so that you can kind of put your hands on what we're talking about or like imagine it. Um, an example of this would be a black person who has graduated from a university, four year university. They have a college degree. They work for some period of time, end up purchasing a house, maybe right. lose their job. Home goes into foreclosure. Now they're either renting or don't have a place to stay. Right. White family, no high school diploma even, but inherited a home yes. from their father, grandfather, grandmother, whomever, yeah. loses their job, still has a place to stay at, yeah. at night yeah. because their house was paid off years ago. Yes. That is the difference. Yes. And this is not to say, there is numbers that correlate that the more education you get, on average, in America, the more money you will make. Yes, and that spans that's across labor. all groups. That's income, right? But that is very different than wealth. It is. It's kind of sad to hear that all of us who who got who went off and got degrees and got educated and, and made debt. it out, right, and got that student loan debt, <laughs> a Biden come through, right? <laughs> Not for real. right? Who have that student loan debt still don't have 
the same number of wealth as white kids who dropped out of high school. That blows my mind. So let's keep going. Absolutely. So the next one is that um, this will be the second myth. The racial home ownership gap is the driver of the racial wealth gap. Right. The myth is saying that if black people just own more homes and we own more real estate, uh, then the gap would be closed. And it's not to say that we shouldn't be buying real estate. Obviously, that's part of our life plan. And obviously, our families are involved in real estate and, and, and have land and, and all those different things. But it's, 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 a, it's a, something we got to swallow that we cannot, you know, buy and sell houses our way to financial freedom or equality with, with white folks. Absolutely. And this is a really important one for me because real estate has been a really big part of my life. My mom is a broker and has been a broker for 20 years now. Yeah. Um, so I've been around the industry and I think something that gets pushed really hard to black people is, oh, you've been written all your life. That's bad. Right. Or um, you need to buy a home. You need to be a homeowner. Like, right. you know, it's a it's not only a part of the American dream, but in the black community, it's like, oh, my gosh, you're not renting like you own your home. Yeah. And there are deal. reasons for that. It's a big deal. Right. Yeah. But I think yeah. we get confused in thinking that home ownership creates wealth when mm. really it's kind of the other way around because it's like wealth enables home home ownership. Sheesh. That's it. Yeah. Because to say that it is always smart to begin the process of home ownership is untrue. Right. Can you afford, actually afford to be a home owner? Okay. Maybe you have enough for your down payment, but do you have enough for your mortgage insurance as well as your mortgage? Yeah. Do you have enough to pay for your regular home insurance? Right. Do you have enough to pay for all of the improvements that your home is going to need? Your HOA fees, taxes. you know, taxes, all of this stuff. There are so many fees that come along with it that when you think about that, it kind of puts into perspective the fact that wealth enables home ownership. It does. And it's not even just home ownership alone that people think would close the racial wealth gap. It's not one of the most important factors. It's how much equity is in your home. Right. And this is why home ownership is not going to close the racial wealth gap because how much is your home worth? We mm. can have a $30,000 home. We can have a $300,000 home. We can have a $3 million home. All of them are very, very different. And all of them are going to create different levels of wealth Exactly. because how much equity is in your home and in the $30,000 home, how much equity are you going to build depending on the location of the home? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's the people who, who don't spend a whole lot of time in real estate and the housing bubble should have exposed this, that real estate just goes up and up and up at all times. That is not the case. No. There is not equity in every single house in every single neighborhood. Right. Obviously you hear about the ones where it's booming because everybody's flooding that place to invest. But you know, having a mortgage where the value of your house is lower than the debt that you have to pay off of it is not uncommon. You know, you bought a house for whatever price, something happens to where the value of your neighborhood, especially when you add redlining and racial policies onto it, historically for black people, you buy a house, but because of all the things that they do to your neighborhood, the property values go down. The bank is still going to want that original sales price. It, so now you're in debt. That's how you get that negative net worth number. Absolutely. It's really just debt. Yeah. Right. And when you have public policy, you have legislation dedicated to enabling people to buy home like the New Deal we saw. Yeah. Like you can't assume or like think when you actually look at the numbers that more black people just buying homes is going to close the racial wealth gap. Yes. Because what enabled it in the first place was policy. Yep. That's so it. it will take policy 
to undo it. Undo it. Right. Exactly. We cannot FHA credit repair. Right. Down payment assistance. And then our way to everybody on a home. Right. And this is also we haven't even gotten into the fa- like the fact of redlining. Oh yeah, no. We, and how banks won't lend to people who live in certain areas. Yeah. So we still, still have still to be clear. We were talking. I told y'all my mom is a broker. We were talking about this yesterday. Yeah. Two days ago. Yeah. There is a sector of Southern Dallas that is drastically underbanked. Yes. Underfunded for business loans. Underfunded for mortgages. And you can guess if you're not familiar who lives there. Right. No coincidence whatsoever. None at all. Yeah. None so. at all. So all of these barriers um, to home ownership. And if you look at the history of it, you can see that this is very clearly a myth, but it's something that people use. Um, and it seems like it would make sense on the on the surface that yeah. home ownership would close the racial wealth gap because it did contribute to creating it. So Ooh, clearly, yeah. if we could get black people to do this, that could fix it. But that's yeah. not the case. Yeah. And it would help. It's not going to close the whole thing. It's not. That's that's what he's trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So myth three, buying and banking black will close the racial wealth gap. First and foremost, please find a black, black bank online. Yes. Just open a savings account or something, man. Yes. Do that. Even though it's not going to close the racial wealth gap, right. do that. I think we underestimate how much actual wealth is in this country and that they got centuries of a head start. It's literally centuries. J.P. Morgan, right, uh, related to you know a subsidiary of, of Chase Bank, two times the man himself bailed out the federal government in history. So every time you see a Chase commercial, I want you to know that the founder of that bank bailed out the government. Not the bank got bailed out. He bailed out the government. There's nothing. There's there's no way that we can just pull our dollars that we sent that we spend on rims and Jordans and all this other stuff that people say. There's no way we can pull all that money and somehow magically overnight catch up with that. It's not going to happen. Not to say that you shouldn't bank black. Not to say that you shouldn't do that. I definitely encourage and and think that you definitely should. But let's let's not be let's not be looking at the black people who still are at Wells Fargo and in Bank of America and be like, oh, y'all are the reason why we haven't closed it. No, that's not it. Right. That's not the case. That's not the reason. Um, why. I'm actually really glad you brought up the Jordans and stuff though, because I think that's a really big part of this myth is that black people are wasteful, and yeah. that if they were to just use their money on the right stuff then we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah. The racial wealth gap would be closed. Yeah. And, you know, we have images like the one Ronald Reagan, Reagan um, pushed, like the welfare queen, mm-hmm. um, like trope during his campaign. And then more recently we had have memes and stuff of black people waiting in line for hours upon hours upon hours um, trying to buy Jordans and, you know, other brand Nike shoes or whatever, rather than paying for household needs. But, like, the empirical evidence directly shows that blacks are not more financially wasteful than whites. Yeah. Like that that is actually what the data says. It actually says that blacks generally live way 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 more frugal than white um than whites. Mm. And at comparable levels of income, whites actually spend 1.3 more times than black people. So it's really just one of those commonly held misconceptions yeah. based on the media yeah, that story. black people are just wasteful. It's a story that we have heard forever and it's a easy solution, even for us to say, you know what? I just saw somebody who, who asked me for money the other day, and I see them off doing some great experience that I know cost them money, right? Mm-hmm. We all have experiences like that, yeah. right? 
do not jump to the conclusion and think your cousin or your whoever, your neighbor, just getting their financial stuff together is somehow the reason why we are so behind white people. Right. That's not that's not it at all. Right. Yeah. And I know banking black is so emotional. It makes you feel good. It's yeah. like, yes, I bank black. A and lot of these do. Owning yeah. a home. Yeah. You know, getting education. All these are good things. And they're all good, but we just have to remember that these are all created. These issues were created by policy. Yes. And by focusing on the black community, we're taking the onus of responsibility away from the government. And the government created these circumstances, these situations. So we cannot forget that like it will take policy to close the racial wealth gap. Yes. It will take policy, yes. period. We cannot bootstrap our way right. to equality. Right. So, the fifth myth. That kind of rhymed. Um, greater financial literacy will close the racial wealth gap. And then the sim- the sixth one is similar, is that entrepreneurship will close the racial wealth gap. Yeah, I think five and six are ones that, obviously, we do every single day. Priority finance is that. Right? Yep. It is about, one, it's an entrepreneurial venture yep. that we're doing. But two, it's a lot about it's about financial literacy, particularly about taxes and helping people understand how they can manage their money to, uh, you know, embody their faith, serve their family, and provide for their future. We talk about faith, family, future all the time. But let's, got it, let's not get it misconstrued. The reason why auntie doesn't budget is not the reason why the racial wealth gap is not closed. Right. That is that we will not, um, you know, school ourselves up on money to equality. And it's not to say, obviously we are very strong proponents of financial literacy, especially in our community. And there is no, nobody on here, including Dr. Darity would ever say that he, that people should not be learning about that, but people who are financially less literate, less educated about those things are not, to be the blame of why we're not where we are. Absolutely not. And it doesn't matter how financially literate you are if you don't have financial resources. That's it. What are you reading? What are you literate on? And, and the situation <laughs> yeah. is that like white families typically have more wealth to invest in the first place, more financial resources to be literate with. Exactly. So it doesn't mean anything at all if I am financially literate, if I don't have very many finances that go beyond my bills. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. And entrepreneurship, I think, is one, you know, Black Wall Street is like a whole phenomenon. Obviously, historically, it, it existed in multiple cities. Um, but it's a whole phenomenon on social media now. You know, like this whole community surrounded around Black entrepreneurship, getting people to start businesses. Obviously, we are among the proponents. All of our, a lot of our family are among the proponents. My entire of that. immediate family is entrepreneurs. Exactly. Like, we're, we're with that 100%. But we're not knocking the brothers and sisters who clock nine to five and be like, man, if you were to just go ahead and start your business, do you realize the racial wealth gap would be closed? No, we, no you, you can't say that. That's, that's not. It, it may feel like, oh, if more of us just took the leap and, and work for ourselves and didn't work for the man and need, you know, be dependent on somebody else. That all sounds like great rhetoric. And white people use that rhetoric, too. But it's, it's empirically it's not going to work. Yeah. It literally, the data is like, we can't do it. Like, no. It's not going to happen. And it's like the top 100 black-owned businesses make significantly less, like grossed significantly less than Walmart. Oh, yeah. Walmart grossed way more yeah. and created 2.2 million jobs than yes. the top 100 black-owned businesses combined. That's just what it is. It's a combination of income, obviously, for the people who own it. And a lot, we have, there are a lot of black businesses and we should support them, including ours. But 
black businesses on average create much less jobs for our community as a whole than white businesses do, right? A small a small black business can't employ hundreds of people like the neighborhood Walmart can, right. you know? And then that's, that's just the nature of what it is. We can't entrepreneurial or hustle our way out of this. And that's not even to take into account the fact of the barriers that black businesses have to face. You know, just look at the Tulsa, the Tulsa massacre. Yeah. Most of the time when we build something, what happens? Exactly. And guess what businesses have been hit the most by the pandemic? Black owned businesses. As they always are. Yeah. For sure. All right. Myth seven is that emulating successful minorities will close the racial wealth gap. Man, I'm not going to cap. I've definitely perpetuated this myth before. No, I feel that. I sometimes view Jewish communities. We always talk about Chinatown and how they seem like they're their own economies. We're like, why can't we just create? Why can't we just be like the immigrants that come to this country and boss up, build for themselves, and seemingly don't really need white people to do it? You know, Why can't we just create our own little Wakanda here, just like all the other immigrant groups yeah. did, and just do that? It sounds great. It sounds like, man, if we were to just... If we were to just organize our way, you know, Malcolm X even said it, right? He said, we're not outnumbered, we're not organized. You know what I'm saying? If we were to just do that, just like all the, all the other communities do, then it would work. That's not the case. No. Like, like, they're, they're, like it, the, the track record for the challenges and the barriers between all of the minority groups that we want to talk about who are fighting for the breadcrumbs of wealthy white people, including other poor white people, it's not even close. No, like like we're we're not in the same, we're not talking about the same things, especially you know? because black enterprise is like overtly like people overtly trying try to ruin it, yeah. i.e. burning it to the ground. And it's not as if all of the immigrants who are coming to this country are poor, right? When you walk around and you see the Jewish side of town and it looks great, or the Chinatown in in a big city and it looks great, or you know even you know Hispanic and Latino communities you know doing their thing. There are rich people from other countries who come here too, right? And they bring their money and they say, hey, I want to buy this building in New York and we're going to call it Chinatown. That's rich Chinese money coming over here, right? It's, it's, not, it's not this idea of all immigrants are just, you know, rugged hustlers and then they just, they just grind their way up to the top. That's not the case, man. These communities, these, other, these communities from other countries that are coming, even they bring what Even, but that's really who, that's really who the mix is And it's like about. hard because it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a descendant. I'm an African descendant, you know, right. African of, of African descent. But like, I am not culturally African. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's no, there's no meshing there. And I'll tell you who, who is bossing up. Black immigrants go hard. Yeah. They really do. And they got to deal with, you know, injustice of the immigration system and racism all at the same time. And we look at that like, man, why can't we just get our stuff But together? the thing is, black people go hard too. There are just so many structural barriers. Yeah, that's what it is. And that's what, we don't give enough credit to that. We yeah. don't. Yeah, you, you're just going to need to look at the data, man. You're going to need to read yeah. it. Yeah. Um, myth number eight is that if we just improved our soft skills and, pers- and we took more personal responsibility, then that would close the racial wealth gap. Y'all stop talking all that slang and pulled up your pants and did suit and Stop tie. Stop spending your money on them Jordans. Yeah, if you came professional and presentable up to a job interview, then maybe you would, you know. You ain't have all them tattoos. Yeah. If you didn't have all them piercings. Your hair wasn't green. Bro, like, no. And I do think there's a lot of value in soft skills. Networking is huge, yes. right? And, yes. and I know we do not do enough of it. 
Um, but please stop bragging on so and so that you I know, know and, and be the, like, you know what, you the reason why. Right. And the respectability, it, it's the respectability. That's what it is too. Because white people, it's not white people don't hold black people t- to these standards of respectability more than black people do. Oh yeah, no, we do it hard. Because white people be doing what they want to do, and they that's on up. period. They pull up how they want. It's black people, and for good reason. I get it. It's black people saying you have to be twice as hard. I mean, twice as smart. You have to be twice as good. You have yeah. to be twice as professional just to be considered. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways that's true. But it we is. are putting more credence on the being twice as good than the reason why we have to be twice yes. as good. Yes. Than the structures that require us to be twice as good. Exactly. Because if we are just, just, I say just in quotes, exceptional, then that doesn't make us good enough that's a structural issue exactly because white mediocrity is a thing yeah no that's real i think and then that's the distinction that you know we'll we'll continue to talk about um with all of this these myths are not making a statement about whose responsibility it is to do these things i think it is our responsibility to improve improve soft skills build businesses bank black buy homes buy real estate invest all of those different things that's our responsibility it's about where the blame should be assigned. Yes. We are not at fault for our own gap. Right. Who let's, should let's we be actually clear. be holding accountable? Yes. We have to work twice as hard. That's what we have to tell our kids. It's not their fault, though. Yeah. No. It's not their fault when they don't do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. So the ninth myth is that the growing numbers of black c- celebrities prove the racial wealth gap is closing. Yeah. And then the 10th is that black family disorganization is a cause of the racial wealth gap. So we've got celebrities and we have the breakdown of the black family as the reasons why we don't have as much wealth as white people. Nine and 10 are the ones that we probably see the most on the media. I bet all the other ones are things that we talk about. Some people do, some people don't talk about. But when we see all these basketball players and and, and hip hop artists throwing their bread around like it's nothing... Or we talk, or we walk around, and we see all these single moms raising all these kids, and all these black men who either ain't doing the responsibilities, or off of prison, and ain't got no job, or whatever. It's just like, man, we're so dysfunctional. All the NFL players go to the league, and then majority of them are broke by the time that they leave in a few yeah. years. You know, if only they were financially literate. If only they would have just took a class, right? right? Or they, you know, and that's it's it, it's 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 sometimes it's the only only you know blame that we have you know we don't really have a lot of access to the political institutions that created these structures and created these inequalities but we do have access to to little jordan over here right and we can't have a little conversation with him like hey man we're gonna need you to get your stuff together and and but what we forget is that that message needs to be sent but that's not why right that that, that's part of the solution but by no means is that going to be our saving grace you know what i'm saying absolutely y'all listen to this stat White households with a single white parent have more than two times the net worth of two parent black households. What are we supposed to do? With so that? if that is the case, what does the black family unit have to do with the racial wealth gap? In our minds, it has a lot to do with it. Man, yeah. if it was a two parent household, we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, it's, it's cultural. But when you have a single white parent household that has two times the net worth of a two parent black household, what do you do with that? You shift your perspective. That's what you do. With That's that. really what the purpose of this. That's what this report did. That's what I hope this podcast does. All of these ten myths are all probably ten things. Well, you know, some you know, all of them are things that we should be doing. We should be better. We should be getting better with money. We should want to do better with our money. We should want to start businesses. We should want to do all of these things. But as you're going and doing all of those things, 
please don't get it twisted on what the larger picture is. Right. right. So before you go and blame your cousin and them for, you know, spending some money on some Jordan or, you know, do something else that we named in this podcast. Right. Just remember that the anger and frustration you're feeling, while legitimate, might be displaced. Yes, misdirect. Yeah. Because, me. yeah, you know, if they can't afford them Jordans, they probably shouldn't be getting them and maybe you need to say something. I don't know. Yeah. That's your business. But <laughs> let's remember that the people we need to be holding accountable, the people we need to be directing our frustration at are the people on Capitol Hill. Yeah, that's what it is. Because this is a policy issue. Yeah. Policy got us into this. It will require policy to get us out of this. Exactly. And by all means, man, you know, Dr. Darity has led a lot of this work. Um, it would be very easy for a black economist to find all of the data that he would need to tell the entire black community and everybody else, hey, here are the 10 ways we can close the racial wealth gap. And if we just do these 10 things, we would do it. And it would align with all of the inspirational um, you know, black power speakers and, and, and philosophies that we have, it would fit. And not only would we ride on with that, white people would ride on with that. They'd be like, yeah, if y'all just do what us and the immigrants have been doing, that would be great, right? It, it absolves them of responsibility to play any role or, or be, you know, or have to, to repair any of the damage that's done. I promise you, it would be a whole lot easier. It would be, I would love it if it were true. I would love it if we could just entrepreneurship our way. But the reality is we can't. And we should not be wasting our time, you know, as, as, as more of us get more money, get more financial literacy and join the black elite, bashing all of the rest of our community. When, just like you said, our, our hate, our, our judgment, our energy is going in a completely, completely wrong direction. Absolutely. And y'all, we really want to be in conversation about this. So if you have thoughts or questions, you disagree, you agree, you want to let us know, please DM us on Instagram at PriorityPod or email us at PriorityPod at gmail.com. And we would love to have a conversation with you. I would love to be proved wrong. But Dr. Darity don't lie. Period. The numbers don't either. This is the Priority Pod. Thanks for tuning in. Here is where we let the important things be important. And we keep our priorities straight. True. So, Mr. Pryor with the fire, what's your conclusion? What do you think will contribute to closing the racial wealth gap? What will contribute to it? All of the things that we talked about. Financial literacy, saving, investing in real estate, businesses, entrepreneurship, investing in our own community. But what's going to close the racial wealth gap? is a conversation that we've had for centuries. Some form of reparations.